Hey folks, Jeff here, and I am very happy to be here with a voice that will be familiar to many of you faithful listeners. It's David Reardon. Hi, David. Hi, Jeff. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, it's so good to have you back. It is nice to be back. I've, I've really missed, you know, with all of the time that we did Daily Evolver early yeah. on. Yes. Right? Yeah, um, I miss it. I mean, even though you and I are so busy and off doing other things, I'm really yeah. glad to be here today. It's great. Yeah. And, and for those of you who don't know, David is the early producer of Daily Evolver mm-hmm. uh, on Integral Life and was the sort of guest host, I guess you could say, for what, maybe the first 50 episodes? Probably. So like that, that many. Yeah, They're half quite the first half. half. Yeah. So yeah. anyway. Yeah. It was great fun. <laughs> yes, indeed. And of course, you are the uh, media maven at Integral Life and, and run that organization. Yep. And we're grateful for that. Thank uh, you. Integral Life being the main web portal for all things Integral. It's where mm-hmm. Ken Wilber's stuff is published, and, and, and Daily Evolver is still there as well. And one of the things you've done, in addition to publish so much great integral material, is you've had this um, lineage of spiritual events yeah. over the years. Mm-hmm. First, we had them here in, in Boulder and Denver, and then off in California, integral spiritual experiences. Right. And then last year, the fourth, fourth turning, turning. Yeah, fourth turning. Yeah. Which was the Buddhist conference, and now this year, upcoming. Yeah. Uh, a conference on an integral view of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, we wanted to talk a little bit about that today. That, that'd be great. And, you know, we do look at this lineage, I mean, way, I mean, preceding, because you were involved with the Institute. There was so many uh, seminars and conferences done and, and on all kinds of spirituality topics. But there was, this is how I met Father Keating, um, was through uh, the, some of the events you guys did. And, uh, and then Integral Life continued that with the you know, integral spiritual experience and and then last year, as you said, fourth turning. And so when we got done with that, um, Ken said, so I guess we're doing Christianity next. And I said, yeah, it's about time to sort of circle back. I mean, this yeah. has been a long dialogue, as you know, with all of our friends and Ken and everybody about what does it mean to be uh, a Christian uh, these days, uh, which may not be a traditional view, although it includes that. Yeah. What does that actually mean through an integral view and what does an integral view see? So it just seemed natural that sort of this whole notion of return to the heart of Christ consciousness was was the inquiry that we wanted to go for. So yeah. here we are. Yeah. Well, let's just get the sort of the logistics sure. up front. And yeah. that's, it's, it's called the return, return to the heart, to the heart of, of Christ consciousness. Okay. Yeah. And dot com. Uh-huh. Well, it's, oh, the, the, yeah, the, the link is actually return to the heart event dot com. Okay. Yeah. And it's coming up this March 27th? Starts March 27th, which is a Friday night, like we usually start like at 7 o'clock, and we go through the weekend. And then the difference this time is we're actually, because we had we had so many people accept that want to present that we're actually extended now through Monday. Usually we end on a Sunday. We're through Monday night just to accommodate nice. the subject and the people. I mean, yes. there's just so much to do here. And then, yeah. so that closes at 6 o'clock Monday night, yeah, at the St. Julian Hotel and Spa, which, of course, is one of your favorites and mine as well. It's yes. a big five-star. We were celebrating that oh. before the call. Yeah, yeah, it's just gorgeous. That is, it's an amazing place, beautiful right downtown Boulder, yeah. the yeah. postcard view of the Flatirons. Yeah, and you uh, can so. easily walk to a whole variety of restaurants, and so you have your choice. Yeah. We just, we really... A great uh, Boulder experience. Yeah. Glad so, yeah, anyway, if you're interested, check it out. We'd love to have <clears> you, and, we're in, and it's selling well, and it is. it's going to be a great event. It's I'm excited. I'm going to be there. Yeah, so you, well, we can talk about that, because yeah. you're going to be an important part of that. Yeah. 
So, yeah, so an integral exploration of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And so I just start somewhere. Well, yeah, I mean, this is all going to be, I mean, sort of like 101 to most, I guess, I think, that listen to you. But, you know, when you think about when, when Ken said, all right, so Christianity, and I kind of went, all right. So we just got done with fourth turning. And what did we look at there? We looked at the first, second and third and then some into the fourth, which is basically perspectives that integral sees. And it sees the quality of each of those perspectives. It sees how it transitions, which is always a chaotic time when a when a faith goes through, you know, some leap. And certainly with Christianity, we can we can also uh, see through an integral view our claim that we can see a traditional view of Christianity, which is still very prevalent in the world, um, a modern view of Christianity and a postmodern view, and then an integral sort of emerging out of the top of that. And certainly one of its claims is that it, it for the first time, it can see the other three mm-hmm. and sort of see the gift and the shadow in each one because they're, they're partial views, you know, right. of something. And uh, so we just thought that would be, uh, I said that was just a natural and, you know, cause I'm a storyteller. I'm, this is what I love about this stuff is that um, there, particularly around this, the experience of someone that we will call Jesus and all the people that were around him, this, whatever this was that, that took place 2000 plus years ago. Um, when you think about it, it is, I mean, it's oftentimes, you know, the greatest story ever told. And in a certain way it is in a way, because mm-hmm. it's, it's so unlikely in a certain way. I mean, when you really think about um, what it is, because we look at some of the other avatars like Buddha or Krishna, any any of those, and you say, actually, they were around for a while. I mean, there was a time, there was a way that the, you know, with Buddha, I think it was almost forty years that he taught, and 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 obviously went through evolutions of that teaching and got feedback from people. Well, with Jesus, you don't see this at all. I mean, you you basically see a ministry. We don't know for sure because we just don't have a lot of written documents. But the guess is maybe a year to a year and a half from the time that he's baptized by John at the river to the point that he's crucified on the cross and then the resurrection. If if that's your story, then happens Mm -hmm. after that. That's that's an extraordinarily short period of time. Yeah. Then and then when you say, all right, well, so what waves (laughs) what got implanted there? And of course, we're going to get into this because every view sort of has its notion of that. But as it rolls out to current time and you say we have two billion two billion plus people in the world that resonate with some version of that story yeah and of course it's pervaded the other five billion too in, totally. in, in a certain way yeah. i mean just because the yeah. uh, the world has become so interconnected uh and and one of the things that integral also can see is that there's a flavor to these Religions and yes. and you know in the fourth turning in Buddhism we sort of recognize that Buddhism has a certain pristine mm-hmm. crystalline almost first person kind of um, flavor right. and that Christianity is a different flavor yes, uh, that is unlike any other and brings that's why I say it's it, it has a, such a global influence because it brings the story of love yes. into the party it does and so you know. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, you know, my experience was that when I first met Ken, and uh, obviously anybody doing five minutes of background and on the integral community, too, before I was really involved in it, I mean, you could see that, I mean, his practice is Buddhism. I mean, he talks a lot about it. You can see how it has majorly influenced the integral community. And yet, here's this other major tradition, um, Christianity, which also, you know, gets voice, but it's first look at Ken, I'm going, well, that's not his voice, though. I mean, he's 
really Buddhist. I mean, he can talk about, but it's not. So when we had that conversation, because this is something I was really interested in, I kind of came in on a vector of, all right, so how is this helping me sort out sort of my return after going to the, you know, sort of letting go of the traditional Christianity I, I grew up in, uh, classic, you know, letting it go during college, and then and then through Esalen and a bunch of places start meditating, Eastern traditions, all of that. But then this circle back, which we see in our uh, big time in our audience, is circling back to sort of my my tribe of uh, of, of origin, right? Yeah. And sort of say, there's something about me just cellular that that responds to this Christian um, view of of spirituality and how that gets practiced. And, all. and I, I sort of had all these questions, and because I said, Ken, maybe you can help me figure that out. And uh, would you mind if I, you know, played around with, I mean, there's Father Keating, I want to get to know him better, whatever, all that stuff. And he said, actually, that'd be great because I, you know, if we can make whatever a small contribution to Christianity evolving up the conveyor belt, he said, I would consider it to be you know, the major output or major accomplishment of my life. Yeah. And I went, wow. No, no pressure there. Yeah, no, a lot of leverage there. <laughs> and so, then over so, the years, and I've heard him and then interweave these things. And this is really where the conference is going in a certain sense that we started off saying, all right, we're going to do something about Christianity. But where it's come to in terms of Ken and talking to all the presenters and so on is really an integral spirituality event very similar to the way we did it with this theme of return to the heart, which is definitely going to get to the Christian view and tradition and its gift and its, and its shadow. Uh, but it's, it, but it is an integral spirituality inquiry that can then over the years and that, that I've worked with him now on numerous occasions interweaves his Buddhist practice with Christianity and said, look, both of these are important to me yeah. for the fun. I'm going to, well, I'll tell you myself. Yeah, I good. mean, I, I have a similar story. I was raised Christian. I, I lost my religion right on schedule as a teenager. I went into the, green meditation, kissing all the frogs here in Boulder. Mm. And with an integral view, I really feel like I get God back, yeah. you know. And and I can't imagine my, my spiritual life without both God and emptiness, even though they are, you know, doctrinally opposed to each other. Okay. Uh, but from an integral perspective, we can hold the tension of those polarities and find that it actually is all the richer. Mm. And so... I appreciate this inquiry. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who's going to be there? Sure. And, uh, well, once we, sort of, behind once we sort of looked at that and we said, all right, so it is in a certain sense cross-faith. Because just right away in the Jesus story, the thing we have to remember is that he didn't show up to establish the Christian church. He never talks about it. He, he's basically a Reformed Jewish teacher, which... And, and we'll have any number of perspectives. Cynthia Bourgeau, we recorded some stuff, especially for the conference with her and Father Keating, and they sort of shed their light on it. But this notion that he's basically, you know, within a Jewish culture, the second temple Jewish culture that he's born into. But he's he's part of the reform movement that is actually sort of longing to go back to the first temple, which had more energetic, more healing, more and not so much rules and dogma. Right. So this is a this is a similar story that we hear, you know, even in the modern church about what is what is a postmodern or an integral Christianity versus a traditional, right? So to that end, we just said, all right, so that's the interweaving of it. We don't want to make this a, a cross-faith, you know, sort of gathering, but we do want people from a variety of traditions. 
that have some relationship to Jesus? And this has actually been the question that has arisen with everybody, not that it wasn't obvious sort of from the beginning, but before it was asked, we didn't get the responses that we've had from, say, Father Keating or Cynthia Bourgeau, who have recorded pieces, especially for the conference, um, which is, you know, what is your relationship to Jesus? It puts it right there. And so that, so the answer to that can be anything. I mean, it can be, you know, it can be to him, it can be historically, it can be energetic, it can yeah. be Christ consciousness. So we're not just looking that. at no. Christianity, we're no. looking at Jesus. Right. We're looking through or feeling into and, you know, and and telling our stories. And And there are stories all over the world. This is the thing about how big this is, is that you certainly see all the traditional stories that are biblically based on the, you know, on the four Gospels. Even they don't agree. I mean, they don't, they have all kinds of different perspectives about the same event and so on. Uh, what's included, not included, right? Um, in the modern view, which is the whole historical piece, the Jesus Seminar, uh, we, you know, we've got that, those voices are going to be, that's another look to say, what do we really know? What do we think we really know? Because we don't have much written on him yet. We haven't found anything, although we found a lot of things in the last 60 years that have really expanded the view of that experience of him and the people around him. Um, and then postmodern, I mean, you the contemplative, <laughs> Uh, Christianity comes back online, which, of course, Father Keating is one of the major voices of that reemergence. And it's there from the beginning, but forgotten is one word to use uh, in in the tradition and the dogma. Uh, this the, the meditation side, the interiors, as we would say, yeah. is just missed. And so that comes back online. Yeah. Uh, but we can see all these stories and you can see. And so they're just stories. So people might say, well, they're just stories. I really want to practice. Well, there's a connection here. And that is. Um, you know, what we can imagine, I mean, this is where we start mind, heart, right? Connections. And this is where this is echoed in Buddhism and Christianity. Very simply, Ken would say, paraphrasing, um, you know, Buddhism is really about the mind and emptiness. And Christianity is really about the heart and relatedness. And actually, both of those things for him inform his path, as well as Ajashante. So we have always wanted to do something with Ajashante. And and he's coming. And he's coming. So he's going to, I mean, he's coming. For, I was just shocked because he's booked out for two years. But he said, no, I'm going to make a special point of being there. And I, I said, why? I mean, because in a certain sense, we hold him as this spiritual teacher, which has this Zen Buddhism, you know, context. And certainly we take him retreats and he's, you know, just transmits at a lovely level. But he's got this whole resurrecting Jesus piece, which yeah. is this parallel course that he said, I rarely get to talk about this. I mean, I wrote the book and I did my course for sounds true, but I don't get to talk about it. So I'm really looking forward to being there and, you know, feeling into everything that you guys are seeing. And he's interested in Ken too. So yeah, yeah. he's great. Yeah. And, and tell us a little bit about who else is coming. Okay. So then, so then we said, uh, so that sort of got the Buddhism slash Christianity thing handled, right? So Ken and that, and then of course, Paul Smith, who is, people probably know him as, as a number of things, but the writer of the Integral Christianity book, which I still think is, and Ken does too, the best taking the traditions through the integral model. It's terrific. It's just and, and absolutely Paul great. is terrific. Yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah. And, and I didn't think he was, because he's not, doesn't travel a lot. So I didn't think he'd come and he said, are you kidding me? I'm coming. So I said, great. So we'll, we're going to do a whole bunch of pieces, you know, with him. Um, then other people that we had always wanted to do things with, Dr. Joan Borsenko was the next one. Um, and Joan is, uh, you know, 
best-selling author in, in a variety of subjects. And, and most people lately know her around her sort of lifestyle and health. And mm-hmm. But she always looks at the through science and spirituality. So she, you know, the, particularly the earlier part of her life, she was very much into the mystic Christian teachings, but having been raised Jewish. So she's got that that whole tradition that then comes up. She discovers Jesus through Yogananda, which is, again, the sort of East meets West peace, you know, around Christ consciousness. And so she's coming and she's, she's just fabulous. I mean, if anybody hasn't seen her before, I'm sure they have, because people go to her events all the time. She's just great. Um, Cynthia James is another one, Reverend Cynthia James, who is a new friend. We we've heard about her work because she, for a number of years, she was the really the major driver behind the uh, Mile High Church in Denver and Mile High Church being the very progressive Christian church, and she was the associate minister that drove a lot of that. Um, she left there about two years ago, and we'd always heard about her, but then we went and met her, and of course, then there's this now this whole story that comes, uh, that she's so interested in Mary Magdalene, the divine feminine, and Jesus, and walking in the labyrinth, so she's going to come and do uh, a presentation, and then she's bringing this portable labyrinth uh, uh, that literally will lay out on the floor of the ballroom, and we'll We'll walk the labyrinth one night because it's a, just a lovely uh, practice. Nice. Yeah. And then um, let's see who may. Oh, Trisha. Now, this is interesting because when we get into the stories of it, there, if you go into any bookstore, <clears throat> you will see just shelves and shelves of stories on things like the missing years of Jesus because there's just so much in the traditional story that's not covered. So this 18 years, you know, where was he? Who was he interacting with? It just seems like he just shows up again and then where has he been and so on. So when we look at that whole um, sort of postmodern view of the larger stories, which is did he go to India during that time? Did There's accounts of him being in England. I mean, there are accounts all over the world so we said, well, we've got to bring some of that in. And, the, and uh, Tricia is probably the, the best that we've seen at summarizing this massive amount of work that goes back hmm. to the mystery schools and Egypt. And then, and then if he had gone up the Silk Road, then what would we have seen? And mm-hmm. then Celtic Christianity and all that. So she's really going to speak to those, in quotes, the larger stories that postmodern tells about, mm-hmm. um, you know, beyond the interiors, there's like, oh, no, he was... He was interacting with all these people. It was a very interesting world that he was born into. Now, th- nobody knows for sure right. and, uh, and all that. So, so that's, those are the, you know, and Helen Palmer, why, how am I forgetting Helen? I mean, who's, you know, we've worked with for the last couple of years. She was at What Next, you know, just blew the room away. And Helen, you know, has, did sort of a summary of what she's going to do at this conference, which is to take us back to the desert communities, which are the first three centuries following the resurrection. This is before the Catholic Church actually gets shaped up by Constantine and the gang. So it's a very different environment. We kind of think it starts with the Roman Catholic Church, and it doesn't. There's three centuries of practice all around the world, different perspectives and so on. And one of those is in the desert in these communities in Egypt and Syria. And the Enneagram, which, of course, is Helen's specialty, and she invented the narrative version of that, 
looks at those nine patterns of what is it? Resistance to a spiritual life, which actually start being looked at in those communities. They've actually predated, but they use that, which eventually becomes the Enneagram. So she has this great way of taking us back into the yeah. desert and, and looking at the really that ancient practice that informs an awful lot as we go forward. Yeah, Helen was such a hit at the What Next conference. Yeah. I'm really looking forward yeah. to seeing her again. Well, terrific, David. And so what... People who had come, what are we going to do? Yeah. So this is all, and you know, because we've done so many of these events together, um, always the danger is is that you pack it up because there's just so much to say and so many great people and so on. And the and, and true, true to form, that's why we added the extra days. <laughs> this just started to be a bigger thing that we wanted to accommodate. So it's going to be quite a, a journey. But the other thing that we that we notice and we really want to guard against is we don't want it all to be talking. I mean, talking at or talking with or whatever. I mean, the stories are interesting and the perspectives are interesting. But the other half of it is that we want to practice in each of those perspectives. So so what does it mean to practice in a traditional perspective? What does it mean if I hold you know Jesus more as a historical figure, like in modern? Or what does it mean when it's a contemplative uh, you know, postmodern sort of approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and what are those ancient and modern rituals um, of prayer uh, and music is a huge one. I mean, because mm-hmm. this is the thing that most of us, rem- I remember about my upbringing is that, um, not a whole lot of, st- you know, state experience like interior, but the music was grand. Yeah. And and th- that feeling of, of being in a room where music swells up and is joined into and 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 it's and that form of prayer is just outstanding. So there's going to be a balance of things, and we've asked each of the teachers to not only give their presentation but also to lead us in some representative practice. Yeah, because I'll tell you, just as somebody, I'm going to participate. Yeah, absolutely, I'm, I love all the people and love doing this. Uh, but you know what I want from this when I think of my own spiritual development is I want to be a better lover after this conference. You know, I just want to have more of a back pocket ability to relate yeah. and love and, um, and and just bring more of that into my life right. and to feel that, to feel that spirit. Mm-hmm. And, and also the connection to a loving God and to feel mm-hmm. loved and uh, that I can love and be loved by this, uh, God. And I'm just working on that. That's yeah. really nascent, you know, because I have allergies to going back to a mythical understanding of that. Who doesn't once you're beyond that? But yet, from an integral perspective, I want to reconnect with that part of myself who knows that I am seen and loved by, uh, you know, the creator of the universe. Yes. Wow. Yes. How about that? Yes. <laughs> no, that's the glow in the room. Yeah. And, and it the other thing I want to be really clear about, because we, we will look at all these stories and perspectives, but the purpose of this conference is not to send people out the door with some superior integral view. It really is to sort it all up and let each audience, each member, each one of us feel into practice what part of that resonates with me. And then how does that affect me moving out into the world? Where I mean, it's it's one thing to hold it in prayer or to hold it on the cushion or to do whatever, but we, you know, if Integral has anything to say, it's also that second beat, mm-hmm. you know, which is 
how does this inform my life? Mm -hmm. And how does it inform every single one of my relationships? Because if there's anything we can say about this world that we live in, it's, it's all related. So Christianity has a lot to say about that relatedness. And so... Um, well, let me ask you yeah, this sure. as a, on a personal level, because yeah. when I look at the work that you've done mm. uh, in Integral Christianity, on, on the website even, just yeah. you know the interviews with Cynthia Bougeau and Leslie Hirschberger mm. and Father David McCallum and Father Keating, Thomas Keating and, and Rolly Stanish yep, and, of course, Ken and yep. many others. Mm. And I know you... You yourself were raised Christian. You talked about your trajectory going up the stages of development. So where are you with this and what are you looking for? Well, it's a great question. Um, and, you know, and it's like for all of us, it's an ongoing thing. So the freedom that Integral gave me in the first, in, in one of the most simple, one of its most simplest instructions, which is the one, two, three of God was to actually say I didn't have to choose. Now, I'm not sure whether I was there saying, do I have to choose between my Eastern emptiness meditation or my Taoist energy work and Christian prayer in a way, even if I hold it in centering prayer versus nature mysticism, which I also have a really, I mean, I find God in nature a lot. Yeah, I have always. So people understand when you talk about the one, two, three, yes. you just talk about that. Yeah. That is God in first person yep. or a spirit in first person, right. my own you know, self-awareness and mm -hmm. consciousness. Second person relating to a, a God is another or spirit is another. Mm -hmm. And then third person, which is this sort of the sparkle and spirit of the manifest world. Yes. And you want all of those. Yes. From an integral perspective. Yes. And that an integral gives you great freedom. Because I remember, yes. I remember the outbreath of saying, thank you. It doesn't mean that I have to choose. Each has its own purpose because this is my experience. And... The one that I was just getting back to was this sort of second person relating. Because even though, you know, I can be big in the world and certainly I had, you know, a big career in Hollywood and all the rest of it, it's not my strong suit. I mean, it is because I work within production teams and all the rest of it, but I'm challenged just like everybody else. But I'll just say for me, I'm challenged in terms of how actually, you know, am, do I love and am I loved, right? I mean, that because ultimately the the end of the day, particularly at this age now, I mean, those are the questions. I mean, they're not so much about, you know, we all have big resumes and things like that. It's really mm -hmm. that. And so, so, so to make sense of this sort of second person thing, um, or the second person view, I should say, in all of these, I mean, look at the great chair I get to sit in, I get to ask all these amazing people. Uh, and I find myself what I want the audience to find at the conference is that I I find things that I resonate with. Mm -hmm. And and it, because I'm a storyteller, I am still really interested in the stories. But I also recognize that what I can imagine, whatever I pull into my subtle space of the, what I can imagine affects my practice because it, it's where it comes from. It's It's like, I mean, when I started having these second person, this is before I met Ken, but Ken helped me sort it out with Father Keating is these second person sort of visitations. And it wasn't like Jesus was showing up or Mary, I mean, it didn't have a face on it, but it was a definitely a loving, unconditional mm -hmm. embrace. Mm -hmm. And like Ajashanti says in his little piece, when that moment happens, it just blows you open. And, and I had, you know, I had one of those the year before I met Ken and I was still sorting it out, still mm -hmm. living in it, but still going how am I going to live in this world with this, you know, this, mm -hmm. this outpouring and this? Mm -hmm. So this how, how, describe it for us. What, would, what was it? That's well, I was meditating in the morning and we were doing a television show that um, 
this particular episode was helping these two guys that were hopeless alcoholics and drug addicts basically get a second lease on life. So knowing nothing about recovery at that point, this James film crew said, well, what if we could get you into recovery, right? And, uh, and, and we did, and there's a longer story that I'll go into about both of them, but both of them over the course of the, this story unfolding, which we actually ended up making a documentary film about because of what happened to the film crew and what happened to them, is that they related to it as a gift from Jesus. So this energy is resonating in the story, and I'm watching our crew and me too, who have just seen it all. I mean, we've seen this particularly. This series is just going all these stories of these people, and you just go, "Wow, look at what human beings can create, both positive and negative." So, but they're relating to that way. And who's helping us with this? Are these uh, Christian churches that I really hadn't been around much? Didn't, didn't have much money. They were basically doing Jesus' work, which was clothing people and feeding people. So they were dealing with homeless and addiction issues and all that. And so, so I'm doing this. You know, so that's in the field. I mean, that that I was. All of us on the crew were starting to go. This story has taken so many in quotes miracle turns that if it had gone left instead of right. These two, these two guys would not be getting this chance, and we wouldn't either. So we were. That was up, and I'm meditating. I'm sitting there in my emptiness meditation, and all of a sudden, I have this presence, just like this glowing, you know, light. No face, but but the experience, and it happens in a moment, is just this unconditional love embrace. I mean, mm-hmm. I just I, I remember leaning into it, almost like like you'd lean into your mother's apron when you were younger mm-hmm. and you do, there was just such this feeling of safety and love mm-hmm. and uh, engagement, right. That I just went and it literally was like a moment and just went bam. And I, I came out of the meditation and went, what was that? Mm-hmm. What was that? Um, mm-hmm. That wasn't emptiness. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, it may have prepared me for it, but it wasn't emptiness. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that was my, that was my inquiry. And so is so this is my personal thing as I go through when I've gone through the last seven years of all these interviews, that's in the background for me. And and of course I understand much more about it now. And actually in my in my meditations on some mornings, that's where I choose to go. Mm-hmm. I mean I go there rather than, you know, because there's just something, some appreciation, gratitude, just you know, feeling loved. Yeah. And and loving these, this wonderful life that we all have, yes. you know, and all that. Um, but it brings up an interesting point, And this is going back to this notion that we're not looking for some integral superior view. Um, is that here are some interesting questions. And this has come up as I've interviewed and talked to everybody about what they're going to present and so on. And it goes back to this question that I had as a storyteller saying, all right, I love stories, but we have to get to practice. I mean, this is the part that it, it embodies it. It grounds it, right? So what's the connection? So if you just think about some of the stories, just for an example, and you ask yourself the question, to be a practicing Christian, however you define that now, do I need to believe that, that Jesus was a divine baby that showed up to a virgin mother? Now, we may all at Postmodern might laugh about that in, for a moment and just say, no, of course not. It's a traditional story. But just it's a story and it's a powerful story, right? Because it gets to the heart of, so how do you hold him? Is he, is he just the divine son of God? Is he a historical teacher? Is he some combination thereof? So therein lies 2,000 plus years of conversation that's been going on about who he was. Second one, uh, what do you feel about the miracles? Now, Ken will say, 
if it's miracles you want to talk about, that's the traditional view because you're doing this and he's walking on water and doing all the rest. But I would say, this is my own addition to that, that there's a postmodern view of miracles because what are most of the miracles about? Most of the miracles are about healing. And when you hear the stories, the way they're written down, any healer in Boulder in particular, and here's the hands-on energetic thing that's going on, and suddenly somebody can see or comes back to life or whatever, you kind of go, well, actually, you would call it a miracle because that was something, but what's he doing? I mean, is it, and has, did he ever have access to that esoteric information? And there's, this is where the larger stories come in. Of course, he was in Egypt as a child, whatever, all the mystery school stuff about that. So here are the big ones. Do you need, I mean, for you to be whatever practicing Christian or me, do I need him to be crucified on the cross? Because as much as we accept that story is true, there's a whole school that says it never happened. There's no evidence of it. If it had been that big a deal, it would have been written about more. There's something that somebody was kind of put up on the hill on the cross, but it's, it's not a chapter. Mm-hmm. And it's certainly not talking about the Son of God that being happened to, right? So all the stories, no account of it whatsoever. So, but do you need him to be on the cross? Whatever's being demonstrated there. And you can even go as far as to say, did he die on the cross? Because that's yet another story of saying there's actually a lot of sort of forensic evidence in the story itself that this is not, they're not, people are not acting around him like he's dead. Mm-hmm. They're taking him off the cross early. They're putting him in a tomb that Joseph is very unusual for if he's a criminal, he would have been just dumped in a grave, but somehow that doesn't happen. All the herbs that are brought in to do the body are, are herbs that revive, not embalm. Right? So we don't know if any of this is true, but they're all those stories. So, and here's the big one. Do you need him to have resurrected three days later? Because then I'll just speak for myself. I, I've always been uncomfortable with the moment on the cross. Mm-hmm. Always. Now, perhaps it's just my reading of it through the traditional view that is so full of pain and suffering and he died for our sins. And I just that's just never been me. Yeah. Right. So you just notice, you know, where you step in yeah. and where you resist. No, me too. I mean, I stepped in. I was raised this way. Yeah. He died for my sins. Eh, I kind of ran off my back. Like a you know water off a duck's back, and yeah. you know I kind of got it, but it never meant anything to me. Yeah. Uh, so you know it's interesting how the you know how we engage it even right. in the first place. And so I would say for my practice of of when I'm in this field of Christ consciousness, because the way I define it, although there are many ways to define it, is both this interior state. So I work on <laughs> generating my own, and then the exterior state of how do I practice in relation to you or relation to this world or the, you know, what, how in that moment when I'm feeling constricted, how does it help me get back to a more loving, compassionate sort of response, right? Or even creative response, right? So, so in all of that, I think that this is really the importance of the conference is that we're going to hear all this stuff and you're going to hear lots of perspectives and they're not all, it's not a big debate and there are going to be very different views because I've already heard a lot of them where people say, I don't I don't think that's true. And you go, well, but we don't know. Yeah. Most important thing is what are you resonating with? And then how does that actually inform the practice of, you can call it Christ consciousness or Christianity at this level or whatever you want to do it. How does it affect your being and the world? And that's where the stories are important to me. Because yeah. I think what we can imagine 
um, does, just like it does in dreams. You know, we watch a television show, we read a book, whatever, and we go to sleep and we're in that subtle energy realm. And suddenly, we, you know, we wake up the next morning and go, boy, did I have a crazy dream. I mean, yeah. Jeff was there, but then there was like this Pokemon character and we were doing this, right? Well, where is all that coming from? Well, it's all info that's been loaded in to some level and then is now reflecting itself back out yeah. without the body having to do anything. And so... To me, I'm not saying I'm not saying dreams are the same as practice, but but I think they do. In my own experience, I guess I should say, is that what I can imagine affects how I practice, mm -hmm. and what I hold is truth to me, right? In the way that I, and what was he doing, and how can I emulate that? Yeah, uh, those stories, which are the way we take it in first definitely start to resonate if you embody them and then ultimately you have this experience like I did which is there was something floating in the field and then wham I didn't ask for it it just came yeah there was no story being told it was just a moment yeah but if I said was this completely devoid of anything that was happening around me no yeah there was a lot happening around me that was informing it yeah well I'm sure a lot of people listening to this have had very similar experiences and I think one of the things we want to do is we continue to co-create ourselves mm -hmm. is get back in touch with some of these earlier I mean we're actually when we start talking about dreams and visions and that sort of thing yeah. that's from early humanity yeah. and from an integral perspective we actually want that back you know, we don't want to be it to be drenched in superstition or have Jesus as some superhero who's right. you know out there fighting you know my for my ego yes but there is something about how the divine communicates with us that I think we're just waking up to mm -hmm. that feels very old and very new both. Yeah. You know, so, and even, anyway. in the, and even in those creative moments and you and I've talked about this before, maybe this notion of where'd that thought come from? Yeah. I mean, not even a thought. It was a, just, yeah. right. Where did that come from? And you go, okay, well I can kind of trace it or I can't trace it. I mean, or something. But that subtle energy field, which then is all related to the others as well. I mean, how that how we move up and down those states mm -hmm. and coming back into the growth state where there's some, you know, way we try to express it and always falls short of what it actually felt like, right? Always. But it's important that I express this to you and you express it to me That's because right. we're exploring this together. Right. So we're really hoping. So back to this, we want the audience, as we always do, to come and practice. Yeah. I mean, and, and there will be yeah. lots of input, lots of stuff to, you know, kind of process and, and then practice through song and prayer and walking the labyrinth. And there's some lovely other things that we're yeah. going to do in music. Um, so. Well, if it's anything like the last, or the, the lineage of integral <laughs> spiritual experiences, yeah. it'll be a blast. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking forward to it. Oh, and the last thing you said about, I just wanted to, I sort of mentioned it with Father Keating and Cynthia, because mm -hmm. Father Keating doesn't come out of the monastery. So he was obviously some person I asked first, just for counsel, when we were starting to think about this. Um, and he said, well, you know, you can come up to Snowmass right before Christmas. And actually, Cynthia Bourgeau is going to be here. And I'd already talked to Cynthia. And she had a schedule conflict where she could kind of get here for one day, but it was really a push. And I finally went, you know what? You're going to be there. So why don't I just bring the cameras and, and we'll just set up and we'll just shoot what you guys want to talk about. So that two days was quite extraordinary. Oh, I'll bet. And the little piece was uh, in the last email that we sent out on uh, Monday, mm -hmm. which was just a little excerpt where Father Keating was talking about Vatican II. Um, but this really goes to the heart of a phrase that you and I use a lot and, and Ken uses a lot is what is spirit up to? Yeah. So when you look at 
when you look, I mean, one of the things I loved about this clip was that we asked him what was the inside, his inside experience of Vatican II, because when you compare it to what's going on at the moment, right, and we're all kind of going, who's this Pope, yeah. right? Um, and we sort of feel echoes back to Vatican II and John and, and mm -hmm. sort of things, the way that he's trying to shake things up and all that. Um, so it was interesting to, to, here's Father Keating, and he lived through this as, as mostly as the uh, running the monastery, you know, which was where he was the abbot. And, and so I was really curious uh, to say, all right, so what was that experience like as that came out? And, I mean, if anybody's seen the clip, they've heard it, but I'll just say it. He said, it scared the heck out of me. Mm -hmm. Because even though I was predisposed, I thought my mission was to bring this contemplative piece back. I couldn't figure out how to do it within the existing monastery. I hadn't made any progress. Yeah. It's 1,500 years of tradition, for God's sake. Right? No pun intended. And he said, and then Vatican II, and I'd met Pope John. He'd come, and, and he was just like this grandfatherly guy. And you go, what, what do you mean, what council? That, that was our response. What council? Why are they having a council? And then I started to read the papers that came out, and these were 180-degree turns from where the church had been before, like, hey, there are other paths to spiritual enlightenment, not just Christianity. Okay. <laughs> That's new for the Catholic That's Church. Huge. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's so this, but what he's really pointed out, and in some of the pieces that we're going to run at the conference, um, he sort of gets to this theme of what is spirit up to. And, and he said, even in its darkest hour, and I just saw this morning that the Dalai Lama had been with... Uh, President Obama at a prayer breakfast. It just reminded me because he told the story of Tibet. Because he says, "All right, so there's there's that awful thing. I mean, you can't. You know, a whole country is taken over and just absolutely almost eliminated, and he has to flee. And yet, what happens? It's not the only reason, but this drives all of these teachings that we might never have heard about to the West. And so he says, so even in that dark hour, there is spirit is up to something." that is landing on our shore, which I'm now the abbot of the monastery, and I've got even, I've got Zen Buddhist people showing up, I've got TM people showing up, this is mid-70s, and I'm going, and they're asking me, what is our contemplative practice? And I have to embarrassingly say, we don't have one. Yeah. But that then fuels him to eventually, you know, leave the monastery and become who he's become, which is a leading light of bringing that back in. So, you know, when we talk about the evolution of things, and you and I have talked about this a lot, it's just a marvel to stand back from it and just go, in the moment, to say, I don't know what's going on here. This doesn't feel great to me. It's like constricted. It's dark. And yet, what's the gift in its hand? What is spirit up to yes. it? You relate to all of it. And that is how evolution takes place. It's not all just love and light saying, no. you know, there it is. Well, as we say, evolution is beautiful, but not pretty. <laughs> it isn't, <laughs> to say the least. And particularly when you can look back and say, nobody could have predicted that. Yeah. No, At all. Sure. Yeah. Who would have said that all that teaching is going to come from that? Those thousands of years of teaching from Tibet are going to come to the West. Yeah. Just that tradition alone, let alone Zen Buddhism and you know Hinduism, all that. Right. And look at look at what's happened with postmodern and then integral now for that. So there's going to be a lot of that. At the, I think this is a, a question that we're going to ask, particularly at the conferences. We may notice that we constrict about something, and just say, well, I don't, you know, whatever that is, I don't. Right. And then take a breath, ask the question, what is spirit up to here? Yeah. Even though we can't understand it in the moment, um, there may be something we're missing. And that's really what the integral view really helps us see. Yeah. In, in a way, David, as you say this, it, 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 it reminds me of a certain recapitulation to a blue-amber traditional. Um, just trust God. Yes. 
just trust that all things are in God's hands and in God's time. Mm -hmm. And that's a relief. It is. And we can actually have that. Yes. You, you just described it beautifully. Absolutely. Uh, and, and that is one of the things that I know you've said this before, is that when we say, well, what is it about traditional that we want to hold? Well, there's a beautiful faith there, yes. which says, just let it go. I think faith is back big time at integral. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. Uh, so, Well, how could it not be? Because, yeah. I mean, when we look at it. I mean, we this, see the tra trajectory. It's, it's obvious. You know, there's a movement towards goodness, truth, and beauty that is built into the system. And yeah. We can trust that. You bet. Yeah. You bet. So. so. Full speed ahead. Well, and I just want to say before we uh, quit that you're going to be a big part of this. A lot, we've, we've got this group called the Integral Lay Council. And its purpose is we chose people that have been having these conversations for at least as long as I've been here, over seven years. Um, not that we're the great experts on it, but we have thought about these things. And we're going to hear, we've heard some of this, we're going to hear new things. So we're going to do some sort of reflection pieces, very informal, um, that hopefully will help shape uh, the conversation that we want the audience to have. Yeah. And because I'm going to be, I'm going to be interested. In, I'm just noticing, even in well, in all the tape stuff that we did with uh, the new stuff that we did with Cynthia and Father Kitty, um, but also as I'm talking to the teachers and they're telling me more about what they're going to do, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of new stuff. And I'm going, so what do I, what, what do I think about that? Yeah. And how does that move me yeah. or not? Yeah. Case maybe. So no, that's it's going to be great. What a rich opportunity. Yeah. That experience. Yeah. Well, and thank you for having this conversation today. And, and uh, you know, it's going to be so much fun playing with you again at the Indeed. conference. Indeed. You bet. Yeah, likewise. And for everybody. So, again, it's a return, return to, to the, the heart, heart of Christ, Christ consciousness. consciousness. And, yeah. and the, uh, the URL is com, And all the information is there. You can register there. Uh, we'll be sending out more notices. There's a great early bird uh thing on for about the next two weeks where there's a reduced amount to come because we know these things are expensive. Yep. Uh, so, you know, I would, if you're thinking about coming at all, I would highly recommend you take advantage of that yep. and, and show up. And look at the site too. There's some great stuff posted there in there already and the conversation's begun. It has. What fun. Yes. All right. Thank you, David Reardon. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. Hope to see you at the Return to the Heart of Christ Consciousness here in Boulder, Colorado at the beautiful St. Julian Hotel. March 27th, Thursday through Monday. Friday through Thursday. Friday yeah. through Monday. Through Monday the, the 30th. 30th. You bet. All right. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks David. All right. <laughs>